excited to tell you about another super magical project that we're working on together. I feel like it's safe to say that you've all heard of a certain boy wizard who did important things and had some cool friends and saved the world, blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, Adam and I are part of a wonderful group of people who get to tell the story of another boy wizard who wasn't destined to save the world. And no, it's not my boy Neville Longbottom. But we want you to join us and our magical friends September 20th through the 22nd at Broadview Heights Spotlights as we relaunch our cabaret series with the Ohio premiere of Puffs or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic. If you live in Northeast Ohio, please join us. If you don't live in Northeast Ohio, please join us. <laughs> Puffs <laughs> is a play for people like Adam and me. Not exactly heroes, but good, nice, and magical people. For more information, please visit broadview-heights-spotlights.org. Uh, we will put the links in our social bios. Check us out. And now, basic snitching. Yeah. <laughs> It's time for basic snitches. Oh, hello. Hello. We don't know how to intro. Remember that part? How we don't know how to intro? Still relevant. Yeah. Still us. Well, first of all, um, not only am I 100% a hero, but I'm also not very good or nice, so. <laughs> we really are heroes, but in our own special way. <laughs> I'm a bad hero. Bad. Like, cool. Okay. <laughs> Today we are covering chapter 15, The, the Forbidden, Forbidden Forest. Forest. What happened in the last episode, Tara? So in the last episode, I don't know if you remember this, but chapter 14, which was called uh, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, is the chapter where Hagrid's just hiding a dragon in his hut, which is real cool. Everything goes really, really well. Until all the children kind of suck at life. I'm going to award a winner and a loser from the last episode. Guess what? Going to give Hagrid a loss. Hate doing it. <laughs> Love Hagrid. He's not known for being bright, but this is this is really rough. This is really rough. Hagrid, just tell Dumbledore. <laughs> he got you this job after your mysterious history we find out in the next book about. Think a little harder, Hagrid. And the winner of the chapter is none of those fucking children. Hell yes. Thank but you, you know who wins? Charlie Weasley. Oh my god. I was prepared for you to say McGonagall. <laughs> it, was, it was a tie between McGonagall McGonagall and Weasley. Charlie Weasley. But I was like, you know what? Think of Charlie. Charlie's not gonna be able to get wins because he literally is in the books like six lines. So Charlie's getting a win. That was chapter fourteen. Are you ready to read the uh, little summary I wrote for I chapter fifteen? Chapter fifteen: The Forbidden Forest. Things were not good. Not only were Harry and Hermione in deep trouble, but Neville gets caught up in their shenanigans again. Nice work, guys. McGuh is pissed and takes a fuck ton of points away from Gryffindor. So now everyone in Gryffindor is pissed at Harry, Hermione, and Neville. Harry vows to himself to stop meddling in other people's business, which we all know won't last. He tries to quit the Quidditch team, but is even unsuccessful in doing that. Then Harry overhears Quirrell talking to someone, and of course forgets his vow to not be a nosy little bitch. 
He tells Hermione and Ron he heard what sounded like Quirrell being threatened, and Ron wants to be a nosy bitch again, but Harry shuts him down. Harry, Hermione, Draco, and Neville go to their detentions after getting a creepy lecture from Filch. They get to hang out with Hagrid, which would be fun, except they get to go into the not-ominous-sounding Forbidden Forest to find an injured or dead unicorn. They split up another fantastic idea. Hagrid, Hermione, and Harry in one group, and Neville, Malfoy, and Fang in the other. They meet some centaurs, which is maybe cool, but those bitches are weirdos. Also, Mars is bright tonight. Then Malfoy scares Neville, did no one see this coming, and Hagrid changes the group around to put Harry and Draco together. Draco is a whiny little scary cat. He and Harry walk for a bit and then see the unicorn and it's dead. Three not smiley faces. Three sad faces. <laughs> then a creepy cloaked figure comes out of the shadows, spooky, and Fang and Draco run away as the figure goes toward Harry. But don't worry, he's saved by one of the centaurs, which pisses off the other centaurs. Harry learns that the creepy cloaked figure was probably Voldemort, and that it killed the unicorn because unicorn blood keeps you alive no matter what, and Hagrid and the others show up as the centaurs talk about reading planets and stuff. Harry and Hermione meet Ron after detention, and it is clear that they are all very close to being back on their bullshit, because also, the invisibility cloak has returned. The end. <laughs> I like how you start this one off. What? Because you start off with things are not good, <laughs> which the first line <laughs> the first of the chapter, because this is exactly how I felt about the last chapter. <laughs> See? Told you guys. Told you guys. <laughs> told you guys, like, what, 20 years after books have been written? Right. So, so there. No, I love how it starts with things could not have been worse, and then literally the next chapter is things getting worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Nicely played, J.K. Rowling. Also, you got six more books to go, and let me tell you something. Things, things get are going to get pretty bad. <laughs> like, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Ram's like, oh, it would be nice to have a peaceful life. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> like, I wonder what it would be like to have a peaceful life. The comparison here. We're in book one. <laughs> They're still kids. At this point, this is the extent to how things could go poorly. So Fine. it makes sense. I really like that. Especially since you wrote that, because after your recap where you gave winner and loser, you were like, everything was everything was going pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, really, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I didn't give anybody points last time? The other thing that you had put in your summary that made me kind of interested in how Harry's going going through this chapter. Of course, losing 150 points is a big deal in one day. They even say like that the twins had never done that before. Ron says something like, oh, my brothers have lost a shit ton of points in the past. Harry's like, really, ever 150 in a day? And it's like, okay, well, not all of them were you, too. <laughs> like In the chapter, he's even just like, I don't care if Draco's hurt, but if Neville is, it's our fault. Like, Harry and Hermione are owning up to this. It's very mature. They agreed with the detention that they got. They, they felt like they deserved what they got. Yeah. And it's very mature for 11-year-olds to think that way. So I'm pretty sure that in that respect, they're also feeling very responsible for all of that. What's interesting, though, is him trying to quit the Quidditch team over it. Because earlier in the books, we talk about how when he's playing Quidditch, he's finally starting to become more accustomed to being independent of the Dursleys. 
when he's at school yeah. and feeling more at home. It's like, okay, why would you quit Quidditch in an effort to be liked more, I, I don't, guess? And I don't, I, I don't think, think that, it's being liked more yeah. either, it's, but perhaps not being wanting to be around that or something. I think in all three of these final chapters, you get a dose of Harry. I don't want to say his growth is complete, because like <laughs> we've said already several times, there's six more books to go. The, the extent of the growth in this chapter and the way that he approaches things are a complete departure from where he was at the beginning of the book. I think Harry still feels unworthy of things. The whole book, he's been building his confidence, and then they do this thing, and he's like, I'm not getting involved anymore, I'm not going to cause shit anymore and then he's like i don't even deserve to be on the quidditch team like that's kind of where i feel like he's coming from perhaps and then his focus as you get into the next chapter is like this isn't important exams aren't important i don't know to me that's that's what i always read from that was that he didn't feel like he deserved it because he made this mistake and he wanted to take responsibility for it i guess is my that's how i read it i agree though that i think Neville and Hermione's way of taking responsibility for it is a little bit better. I think that they just are, understand, okay, we did this, so now we have to pay for it. <clears throat> At least I don't think that the Quidditch thing was necessary, and it's not something that he even should have thought about doing. Yeah. But And like Oliver said, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's yeah. right out of the book. That's exactly what Oliver said. That's exactly said. what he said. So, what the fuck are you doing? Kind of like when Dumbledore was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, the- exactly how that went. Quoting the book directly. I need us to go back to talk about McGonagall saying the four students out of bed in one night. I've never heard of such a thing. What the fuck? How long have you been running Gryffindor house, bitch? (laughs) It's very funny that McGonagall says that because we know more, obviously, when we get to the third book. But definitely four students out of bed all the fucking time. There's no way she didn't know about that. Or, I mean, I guess she must not have, which means the Marauders are really good mischief makers. Uh That's exactly what I was going to say. The Marauders are better at this shit. The twins know how to navigate those secret passages. Like, there's not just that one Togsmeade. Well, yeah. But, I mean, just, like, overall, like, four students out of bed in one night. I've Mm -hmm. not heard of... I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, it happened all the fucking time. Look back so many years ago when Harry's dad and the Marauders were all there. But they were just better at that shit than Harry and his friends. Because Harry and his friends are like, let's do helpful things when we're (laughs) sneaking out at night. And the Marauders are like, let's goof around like teenage kids should do. You guys are doing it wrong. They're also just coming off of this huge instance of constant chaos. And it's chaos that doesn't really even have to do with anything. Of course... Very soon, we are learning about things that you brought up in the last chapter, but are finally being brought up in the book, about why the last chapter was necessary. <clears throat> yeah. But when they're in the moment, the egg thing and Norbert and all of that is a complete departure from what they're normally focusing on, which priority one, well, depends on who you talk to. For Hermione, priority one is exams coming up, and priority two is Nicholas Flamel. I don't feel like it becomes as pertinent for them to actually go underneath Fluffy until later on. Like, even back when they were um, doing revisions and highlighting notes and all of that, color-coding notes, um, do they use highlighters in? I don't know. <laughs> because they're, they, they only use quills, you know? Yeah. Like, do they have, like, the special highlighter quill? <laughs> also, it's the 90s. Like, 
They can't use, they can't, like, go to Office Max, Magical Office Max, and get, like... There's probably a spell, you know, like... Pens don't work Highlightus or something, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> and, like, you wave your wand and it highlights a thing on your paper. I got nothing. I, as you know, listeners, we usually do two at a time. We are doing, recording three today, so get ready for chapter 17. Strap we're, in, guys. We're gonna be pretty tired, <laughs> so... But they do bring up some of that, and it made me think a little bit more, like, yeah, like, they're using, like, older technology, so maybe there is more magical elements to it, but... Probably. But, because one of the things, this isn't in this chapter, it's the cheat-proof quill, Mm -hmm. so it makes me think, okay, like, there's gotta be something else where she can, like, change the color of the notes, and she's just rewriting her notes. I know that you're a nerd, but is it really that interesting to think about... Ooh, highlighting stuff spells when there's also like giant dog. I'm sure it exists. Yeah, just don't talk about it. Anymore. I love office supplies, and there's and I love magic. I respect that. Hey, you <laughs> were the one who was like, Fluffy is not scary. Fluffy, Fluffy is scary. cute. I'm like, bitch, she taller than a house. <laughs> she. We're assuming that Fluffy is a girl. They. They are talking about a house and they got three heads. I'm just saying, I'm like, I feel like just the general consensus would be, what do I focus on? Do I focus on magical office max or do I focus on... And while there are those of us who would appreciate learning everything, I feel like they just left that out. But I, I believe that there's absolutely magical spells. they're not spells. focusing on any of that. And now they got to focus on going in these woods. You know, like, like, the dog wasn't even enough. I mean, in this case, okay, it was a dragon. And like you had said, it comes a little bit out of care for Hagrid. But yeah, now they're going to see Hagrid a lot more. Can we talk about the detention that they actually get? McGonagall signed off on them going into the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. At like fucking 1130 at night. Yes. Why is this okay? They were caught out out of bed Mm -hmm. at 1 a.m. Because of Hagrid. Well, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that it's because of Hagrid. But she does know that things are starting to, like, get a little bit Dangerous. Yeah, she thought out says them. She shouldn't be lurking at the castle at night because it's dangerous or something like that. Yeah, dangerous times. First of all, it's book one, and she's talking about it being dangerous times. So... Just that alone, it's like, okay, McGonagall knows something that's going on, and she's going to put Harry Potter, the one who is probably most affected by the potential dangerous times, out into the woods, where the dangerous person could be. I'm like, okay, what did Filch slip you, McGonagall? (laughs) (laughs) Also, really... Like, you're mad that they're out of bed in the middle of the night, so why are they not, you know, having detention in the evening Mm -hmm. instead of... Shouldn't shouldn't you want them to sleep just because these adults don't fucking sleep? And there's exams coming up, too. I can't believe that McGonagall approved this detention. I feel like this is something that she could have done a lot better. Maybe she just was like, I don't have time to think about detentions. Filch... What, whatever you want to do, you <laughs> caught them. Because like, Filch is the one that caught them. McGonagall caught Malfoy and Neville, but Filch Malfoy. caught Harry and Hermione. Yeah. So maybe she's just like, whatever, just whatever, Filch. My thought, too, is like Filch <laughs> talking about like, oh, we used to chain people He's up a fucking creep. All that kind of stuff. It's like, you're not magical at all. Because then when um, Filch meets up with Hagrid, Hagrid's, Hagrid's like, Hagrid's the like what the fuck have you been saying to them? Like, don't, you don't yes, have... Yes, Hagrid, I You're love not him. even magical. Like, you should not be able to choose what Ouch. these children do. You know, you're the janitor. Like, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> I mean, you know, gotta be rough to be a squib. Like, you come from a magical family and you can't do magic. That's... 
he just sucks. We just hate Phil. I mean, that would be shitty. But him being creepy about, like, punishments and shit and being like, I'm going to lecture you, you're a fucking creep. Well, no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, he, there, there's no reason for him to lecture them because he doesn't know any magic. And sure, like, it sucks to be a squib. I get it. But it's 100% his character. It's him wanting to have more so power funny. over these children. Mm-hmm. There's some sociopath kind of tendencies there, I think, with Filch. Oh, Filch so. is a fucking psychopath. Yeah. He is not right. But I love Haggard being like, bitch, please. It's yeah. It's great. Immediately, like, we are seeing a little bit of carryover from last chapter. We're like, okay, some of these things aren't quite being right. But I think it's funny because once we get into the Forbidden Forest, it's almost like that chapter is now kind of closed off and we're learning about something new and a new form of conflict in the book. And that is, of course, the unicorn. The fact that he found unicorn blood all over the place, there's some creature who is attacking the unicorns, and we begin to meet some new characters. The centaurs. The centaurs are fine, but why aren't you helping? Especially when they're like, the unicorns are innocent and wonderful and... Sure, you don't want to be involved with, like, the wizards, but this unicorn has been hurt. Rude. Fucking help. Well, I think what it is, is in future books, there is a little bit more of, like, the politics between the centaurs versus the humans and whatnot. Yeah. And, of course, Forenzi pops up in the future, in future books. Um, some more. Everyone's and favorite centaur. He's, what? He's everyone's favorite Every, centaur. I mean, what, you're going to pick Bane over Forenzi? I mean, maybe like... he's hotter, but otherwise, no. I don't know. Friends is my fave. Oh, of course. Like, he's wonderful. So even the first ones, like, I don't really mind them too much because... They're not bad in this book. They're just no. like, no, we shouldn't do this. The next few times that we see the centaurs, they are a lot more aggressive. And so this was like, oh, okay, it's not so bad. It's just like, oh, hey, Hagrid, Mars is bright tonight. <laughs> like, Mars is bright tonight. But can we talk about this? Because this is where... I have some additional These are your mystical dudes. stuff. I was like, I wrote down, the centaurs are going to be Adam's favorite this episode. Yeah. These are your dudes. I looked it up because there are ways, of course, that you can read the planets and everything. And things like, we just finished off this nice stint of Mercury in retrograde. We mentioned that Fuck in the that past, shit. didn't we? It, the, this has been a absolutely terrible past month in general. It's just now coming to an end. So it's things like that. Or, you know, people saying, Oh, the moon's full. You better watch out. People are going to act crazy. So when I looked this up, Mars represents bringing energy into the living spirit, and it represents stamina and courage. So the fact that Mars is bright tonight, I think, shows these next coming events are going to require a lot of stamina and courage. Mars as a whole, and this brings in a little bit of mythology, which I honestly don't know a lot about mythology at all. Everyone's heard of men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. So where that I think comes from is Mars is a planet of peace versus war. Venus is kind of the opposite of that love and hatred. So there's a more romantic quality to Venus that is perhaps a little bit more feminine, whereas Mars is a lot more aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a little bit of very subtle foreshadowing that might be in there Is Mars, I know zero, I know like less than anyone in the world, Mars is like the god of war, isn't he? Yeah. I think that that's like the very obvious thing that JK is trying to throw in there. Like, All of this other stuff, I think, fits so well. I really like I'll, I'll maybe a little bit better. You talked about. Because yeah. we're not quite yet to war. Something else that I kind of wanted to add in there that 
they may be alluding to, and it's not necessarily them being as weird, I suppose. Like, I just like calling them weirdos. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit strange at like surface level. As we learn near the end of the chapter, Hermione even says something along the lines of, oh, fortune telling is like one of the least accurate areas of magic. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of alludes to that as well, I think, as the prophecy. And we even get a little bit more of that here as the book is kind of ending. There's something else that we don't know, etc. So it almost shows like Hermione saying it that there's going to be some like beef between her and Trelawney. That's um, really cool. Yeah. To see that foreshadowing too. <laughs> but also like even like as we learn with the prophecy and some other things that she does say, and we're going to talk a lot about her in the future, of course. But there is a little bit to it, but it's a little bit more of like a humanity. Like it's not a concrete subject like you might get in charms or transfiguration or potions, which is more like of a science. There's there's some more interpretation to that, which is why, of course, I think Hermione doesn't buy into it as much. Mm-hmm. But before they met the centaurs, they like heard that like slithery noise, and Harry goes, "He's such an idiot." Do you think that was a centaur we heard earlier? And Hagrid's like, did that sound like hooves to you? Like, he's he's not even sassy. He's just so nice because he's Hagrid. Like, that's a really good point, Hagrid. You're, Harry, you're an idiot. Did that sound like hooves to you? Hagrid is kind of sassy in this episode. Because the other part that I really liked is when, after Malfoy scares Neville, which, like oh, like you said, like, He calls no him shit. an idiot. He calls him an idiot. I'm like, yes, I love Harry, that, you yeah. go with Fang in this idiot. Like, okay. Okay, Hagrid. Again, as we're approaching the end of the chapter, we'll learn a little bit more about how Hagrid is kind of impulsive and a little bit childish, like he thinks a little bit in in a less refined manner than someone who is teaching students. I mean, he's not officially a teacher yet, but he's part of the faculty and staff. So we definitely get a lot of this, but I think this is a little bit of a rare moment for Hagrid. I, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's Sassy amazing. Hagrid is my fave. It's amazing. So Love yeah, it. what I was actually going to do, I didn't say this when I was reading your um, summary, but it was like Team H and then the others. Yeah, <laughs> it was Team H. <laughs> I was thinking, I like literally was writing this down and I'm like, oh, yeah. huh, look at that. There are so many times where like I said Hagrid instead of Harry or Hermione instead of Hagrid or something like that because of the H's. But yeah, putting Neville with Draco, not the best option. And then, of course, he sends up red sparks because Malfoy um, can't help himself. But at the same time, at this point, Malfoy's just innocuous. We know that he's doing this. There's worse things that he's done in this book already. Yeah. There's worse things to come. It's not an excuse or anything. Malfoy is definitely scared. Like, they're all scared. Harry, like, in the chapter admits to being scared, and you're always in his head. Harry can tell that Malfoy is scared. Malfoy is not hiding that he's scared. I don't really think he has to. They're 11 years old in this fucking terrifying deep-ass forest in the middle of the night. Like, all of them should be scared. And they all are, and Malfoy's just not hiding it. And I'm I'm like, I I respect that. Like, I... That would be scary. He's being honest with his emotions, sure. He's also just being a dick while being honest with his emotions. But he's also being a coward. It's very coward. Neville isn't even a coward. Why, he's in Gryffindor. Because he's the best. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This bitch loves Neville. I love Neville. I love Harry. We love them all. But Tara loves Neville the most. (laughs) Just just like how Dumbledore plays favorites with Harry, Tara plays favorites with Neville. (laughs) I don't play favorites with Neville. He just is my favorite. That's different. Okay. 
you say so. I mean, see who has the most wins at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, once again, this is not called Neville Longbottom <laughs> the time that I tried to stand up for my <laughs> So, although, what would all the titles be? We will have to talk about that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so I much like, of this shit I like out. this idea. This one is probably um, Neville Longbottom the time that he forgot something. <laughs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> so yes, so Malfoy scares Neville, now it's yeah, Harry. it's Harry and, and Malfoy. And then they really find the real scary thing. Also, again, Harry instinctively does this thing. Harry can see you clearing ahead through the tangled branches of an ancient oak. Look, he murmured, holding out his arm to stop Malfoy. And I, I like, imagine the mom arm. Yeah. Arm, you know, like, Harry literally is like, oh, don't go any further, like, trying to protect Malfoy. This is just his instinct. He's so instinctually like, nope. We, even though he's so rash all the time, or a lot of the times, mm-hmm. his instincts are still always going to be this person, I have to protect them. Which is very interesting. There's one moment, uh, there may be more than one moment, in future books where he has to kill someone or he has to do something terrible. Maybe it's Bellatrix at one point mm-hmm. like he has the opportunity to kill Bellatrix and he's like no that's not the right thing to do and that sort of plays into here too like yes you're a d-bag and you're kind of my enemy but hang on mom arm like you said Harry's not a killer no like he's not a killer no, at it, the end it goes back to the justice thing yeah that we talked about previously there's a different option there you talking about his instincts as well we really see them take on a whole different level here when it was like Quidditch time, like it was a little bit more like, okay, he's getting on this confidence and stuff. But here we're really seeing like the essence of Harry exhibiting that growth that we keep mentioning constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Never noticed it before this. Yeah. Before reading it this time. And then they start going towards the unicorn and then creepy ass cloaked figure comes and Fang and Malfoy run away. So what I want to see is Quirrell on the back of Voldemort's head as he's, like, digging into this unicorn. I mean, I think, actually, later just, like, on, his arms. I think Voldemort says later, you saw Quirrell drinking the unicorn blood for me. So then that answers that question. Was it the back of Quirrell's head or was it the front of Quirrell's head, though? Because it's still technically I mean, the Quirrell. back of Quirrell's head is Voldemort, isn't it? I know, it? but maybe it's him who's like, I'm going to drink this blood. I, that's a I'm lot of thinking. Quirrell. I want to drink this blood. It would suck to be Voldemort hanging on the back of someone's head. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've always imagined it being Voldemort and, like, Quirrell just on his back, like, whimpering and flailing his arms around. Probably. That's that's how I like to interpret this anyway. You know what? However. I love knows? it. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> they run away. Because, hey, they were warned. Fang sucks. He's a sweet dog, but he's mm-hmm. coward. Whatever. Like, this is the... Draco and Fang, my OTP. My new OTP. <laughs> OTP. My OTP is no longer... We talked about this in the British yeah. episode. I don't know. McGonagall and Lee Jordan were your OTP. Yeah. I can't even remember what mine is, so now it's Draco and Fang. <laughs> They're my OTP. I think it was Filch and Snape. Maybe that was that same episode. Wow. Yeah. We had, there's a lot of really wonderful couples that we're <laughs> unearthing here. Fang and Draco suck and they run away or whatever. As we started to read this book, I was trying to like think about all of the times because of all of the Horcrux hints of like Harry's scar hurting. And I stopped paying attention to that because I read this and I was like, this child is in severe pain. And this other child just ran away from him after he was like, no, I will keep you safe. And I just feel really bad for him. It says the pain in Harry's head was so bad he fell to his knees. It took a minute or two to pass. A whole fucking minute or two of like pain that makes you fall to your knees when you're 11 and you have a different pain tolerance. And there's this monster in front of you. And there's a monster in front of you. 
It's okay to take these children to the Forbidden Forest? <laughs> what the hell? I was just like... So then my, my like thought of thinking about all the Horcrux clues just left because I was like, this kid deals with this all the fucking time. Yeah. That sucks. I, just, I was just like... This That's is probably terrible. like the very first time I was. That it was this bad. Summer. I think this was the first time it was this and bad. Like, I think it is at the end of the book too. Let's but. look back at the beginning of the chapter. Things could have been worse. Get ready, Harry. <laughs> Get ready, Harry. <laughs> and you know what? We all know it's going to be worse and worse in the future. Yeah. Like, well, I we, mean, we've all had migraines, but like. I was just going to say that, but. Another thing that this is similar to is, like, when you get wasted and have a hangover for the first time. Like, the first time, it's like, this is my first time experiencing it. Like, the it. world is ending. It is fucking horrible. And so now, once you've, you know, been an alcoholic for years, like we have, then <laughs> you have a hangover, it's like, wow, oh, okay. this is nothing. Go Just to Walgreens, get some Pedialyte, put on your sunglasses, and, you know. My alcoholism getting outed on the podcast Oh, verse. come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if our listener base is who we think it is, they know. <laughs> okay? That's just a pretty high term there, but yes. <laughs> That's a great point. I'm sure maybe it felt like it was a couple minutes. Like, I'm or maybe sure it was like a couple minutes. That's the other thing. Because otherwise, like, like, why didn't Quirldemort. <laughs> Quirldemort? Why didn't Quirldemort attack him? That's but, a really good point. I mean, I feel like anytime you're in like extreme distress, everything feels longer. Yeah, that's you know. True. And again, I'm just like, this is a very young child. Eleven is not very old. No, I, I mean, just... unless Quirldemar came up and was like, "Oh, honey, are you okay? I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for you to not I'll be wait in pain anymore." <laughs> Actually, no. I want to see you do that again. I'm gonna wait for. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he just stands there with his he's arms like, crossed. Oh, was, Harry stands back up, and he, like, boops him on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry's like, oh, God, not again. <laughs> this poor child. But then, yes. Forensia appears. Yes. And he knows too much shit. I'm like, why do you know so much stuff? <laughs> he's clearly the most rational out of all of the... Oh. centaurs he comes and he's like get on my back it'll be quicker for me to get you out of here and oh don't people ain't happy right about here. that other yeah. centaurs hate that shit yeah it's not our job to protect these humans right forenzi is being a little bit more diplomatic and thinking things through and saying this is a human that's worth saving like if we don't save this human it ain't gonna be good for us either and also does it really hurt us to get these humans safely out of our forest otherwise we'd have a dead body here another dead body Another dead body. Kick him in the unicorn. corner with a unicorn. <laughs> Just we'll let Quirldemort eat him too. Like, <laughs> By that point, that's valuable. No, at that point, too. if he just dies, then Quirldemort's like, yes, and he's back, and he's like, I'm good. And Sirius is over in fifteen chapters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we are a mess. Okay. <laughs> so. This is episode one of three that we're doing today. Yay. Okay. <sighs> we are also approaching the end. I did make another note here at the end. Like, okay, maybe for once I agree with Malfoy. Like, lines would have been a little bit more... Oh, okay lines are what instance. they should have been doing? Yeah. One of them, I think, was like, well, this way you're learning something. Like, you're doing something of use. But I hope it wasn't Filch, because I don't want to be I think it was Hagrid. <laughs> I think Hagrid was like, you know, we have work to do or whatever. Yeah. And like, and yes, because Malfoy is like, my father hears about this, because Malfoy. But also in at response, 11, it's 11.30. Yeah. So. So maybe this, we could do this during the day. Right. Take the, him into the Forbidden Forest when it's not dark. And motherfucker ain't feeding. 
Right, because he ain't going to be out there in the daylight. No, he has Defense Against the Dark Arts to teach. He can go teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. (laughs) So yeah, this might be the one, like, my father will hear about this that kind of makes sense. So We'll see how that goes. Maybe there will be others. Um, I really want to just real quick talk about how the end of it, like, they come back to the common room, Harry and Hermione, and... Neville, but apparently, like, he just goes up to bed because, of course, he would because terrifying. And they're talking to Ron. They wake Ron up and they're like, This is what happened. And then Harry gives them the lowdown on what happens when he and Malfoy find the unicorn. It's very, like, overanalyzed and it's very cute. And she's like, He's like, Oh no, Snape wants this for Voldemort. And he's like, He's like, I figured it all out. And then he was like, Oh, well, Bane thought that friends should have let Voldemort kill me. Ron is freaking out about how he's like saying Voldemort or whatever. And then that's when Hermione says, Professor McGonagall says it's a very imprecise brand of magic. Harry says this thing and he's like, so now all I have to do is wait for Snape to steal the stone. Then Voldemort will be able to come and finish me off. Well, I suppose Bane will be happy. Yeah. I suppose the, the centaurs that's are like, right. yeah, you're supposed to die, kid. Also, so two responses to this, and <laughs> neither of them are serious. But first of all, Neville Wright went right to bed because he needed his beauty sleep for you. So Oh, yes. Okay. And then the second one is, I like how they wake up Ron. Ron, shake him awake. Ron's like, what the fuck? And he's talking about Ferenzi and Bane. And he's like, oh, yeah, Bane. I know who that is. What are you talking about? I'm like, it's the middle of the night. Oh, also, centaurs exist. Also, centaurs exist. I mean, of course they do. He, okay, Ron might know this, but we've talked about, like, he didn't know what a Lohomora is, etc. Ron so, is who something knows? special. And then they get back to the dorm. And there's the invisibility cloak. This is like the button on this whole Norbert Forbidden Forest yeah, thing, I feel like. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, everything is sort of returned to normal. They have more information, but it isn't critical quite yet. Yeah, but they're about to be back on their bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think that at the beginning of the chapter, Harry's like, yeah, we're not going to get involved. Oh, the way this chapter progressed... Had that situation not happened, they would have been like, okay, now we're just going to go and do exams and do exams and we're not going to do any of this sleuthing shit. Harry almost died in the forest, so maybe uh, maybe we're distracted by this again. <laughs> maybe we're yeah. back on our bullshit. <laughs> they, they knew enough where I imagine they it probably could have gotten back to the point where they are chasing after the stone. Right. But... Ultimately, the whole thing with this book is the kids will stay in bed. We've talked about in the past how each of these chapters have a lesson, but clearly the lesson that everyone should be learning is to stay in bed. Stay in bed. Sleeping is good, guys. Yes. Just because the teachers don't do it. Maybe this is why I never get enough sleep. Because subconsciously, these books, reading them as a child and a teenager. You're like, if only I had a Marauder's Map and an Invisibility Cloak. And a mirror that showed me, me you know, all the bacon. That's a great thing for the mirror. Yes. The mirror. Nakob. Nakob. Yeah. Okay. Favorite movie? Movie. Okay. So, I just want to say obviously i'm just annoyed that the movie went in the direction where it cuts neville out yes yes i love neville ha 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 but like no but really <laughs> it's the importance of neville in books we've talked about this endlessly just like how he's cut from the movie is tragic because of where it comes from at the end obviously having ron there is fine because rupert grant makes the best faces speaking of faces when they go see mcgonagall and draco's standing there with the, the trios over there and she's like, nothing gives you a re- the right to be out of bed. 
fucking kid, the little the smirk on his ran. face. Yeah. He is so perfect. And then and then she's like, all four of you. I'm sorry. What, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> just like, and Malfoy again, so like great. a direct quote. She's like, I see that shit in Green, you little punk. <laughs> she ain't fucking around. Oh my god. I just. <laughs> it's it's great. And also, she's so cute in her like bedtime clothes. Look at how cute she her is. Little bonnet. Yeah, she's got her bonnet on. I yeah. love her so much. Maybe that was the bonnet that Dumbledore put on during Christmas. Maybe that's that's and Dumbledore's like, bonnet. Give me that's my, my fucking, fucking bonnet, you bonnet, you homo. <laughs> And Dumbledore just shrugs. So he's like, ah. When you said the thing about faces, what I thought you were going to say is you're like, Ferenzi does not look at all like he's described in the book with no. that long flowing, like Lucius mouth. I hair. think that the centaurs kind of look not great. Yeah. They look better later on in the in the later movies, but I don't love how they look. That was a sacrifice of like poor special effects back then. I mean, course. right, just the difference now. Yeah. I will say I love when they go to meet Hagrid with Filch. Filch is like, oh, you're not still out about that dragon or whatever. And the look on his face is so great. He's just like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> Filch is like a mean girl, but not. You know that Filch has like a burn book. And oh, you know he does. that he wears pink on Wednesdays. I'm glad I'm not there to see it. <laughs> so a difference, of course, talking about the centaurs, is that we do not see Bane or and Ronan. Ronan. I was going to say, what's the other one? <clears throat> we don't see them at all, which I don't think it's terrible. I think this is a nice little foreshadowing to the politics between centaur and humans. Mm -hmm. But like, it still gets the point across. That, hey, centaurs exist, and it's a nice way to, like, not have Harry get murdered <laughs> by Quirldemort. Right? Because that's what needs to happen there, yeah. you know? And even, like, Hagrid running into them and having that little strange interaction with Bane and Ronan, like, eh, it's not huge. I think that in the book it's just, it's meant to show what the centaurs are about. And that's yeah. all their Mars is Bright Tonight bullshit and all of that. Fine, like, it was uh, fine. But I think that, that the movie was... Yeah, I think the movie was fine. Something else that was different was originally wasn't it. <clears throat> well, it had to be because Neville wasn't there. Mm -hmm, yeah, so Neville's it, it not. was originally Draco and Harry and Fang. Yeah, well, they just went ahead and, and they cut out that beginning where, you know, how in the yeah. book, Draco scares Neville and Neville sends up the sparks yeah. and then they switch. They just literally go for it, you know, so it's then like, Hagrid the and, and Hermione and Ron go one way and Fang and Draco and Harry go the other way. And well, I'm thinking back to it too. So in the movie, they decided not to do as much dra drama with Norbert. So Ron didn't get bitten. <clears throat> Correct. And so because of that, Ron and they don't, had to be there for yeah. detention. And so they were like, well, Neville isn't necessary either. Well, and, and remember, they figure out who Nicholas Flamel is from Hermione, just randomly having this book. And then they rush down to Hagrid, and apparently it's in the middle of the night, and that's when Draco sees them, and then they get back inside, and we do that. And so it would be the trio. So yeah. it's very interesting, because we talked about this last time, how it streamlined all of that. Obviously, I always want the book because I want more, but they streamline it really well. The losing Neville is the big chunk of that that is sad because of what that means in the future. But as far as telling the story, it's very effective. Yeah. I can just imagine them 
writing the screenplay and being like, okay, we need to cut here and here and here. And then later them doing the opposite of what we're doing because we're kind of like backtracking and being like, this didn't happen because this didn't happen because this didn't happen. For real though, we're, like that's how that really like, went. Oh, we're just going to cut this thing. Like we don't need to show the chocolate frog thing. I hope that's not the first thing they cut because boo. But they because we cut this, oh, now we have to cut this and then we have to cut this yeah. and, and whatnot. I can just imagine that. But I think that the chapter is fine in the movie. I think that it tells the story effectively we've definitely beaten a dead horse over the fact that neville should be being a dead around. unicorn <laughs> oh <laughs> beating a dead unicorn but you know like other than neville missing which is its own tragedy it's fine there are worse chapters there are worse things that they've cut other things that, yeah like the whole chocolate frog thing with Neville. Yeah, this is less important to cut yeah. Neville from Him than standing the other up things. to Crab and Goyle, things like that. Those I think are a little those bit are more, more essential. Yeah. I'm a little bit more lenient with this chapter than some of the other ones that we've seen, Agreed. especially most recently. Agreed. Here's who I'm giving points to. First, I'm giving 10 points to Harry because he, unlike the last chapter, (laughs) we're seeing him display more logic. We're seeing him display more courage, more leadership skills. Like I said earlier, I just think that his coming into his own self is like on a completely different level for these last three chapters. So 10 points to Harry. 10 points to Ferenzi because he's the cool centaur. And isn't the last I'm time we're going to see him. I'm a cool centaur. I like him. I'm not a regular centaur. I'm a cool centaur. I'm a centaur. cool centaur. <laughs> Shit. Five to Hagrid for being sassy Hagrid. For being in his full 100% sassy swagrid. For him giving some sass to Filch and calling Mothway an idiot. Hell yeah. You can tell that Hagrid is like a night person. Speaking of negative 15 to Filch, because very similar to like what we said about other people like Madam Pince and not Lavender Brown. Slytherin bitch. Pansy Parkinson. Pansy Parkinson. Two flowers. I never thought of that. Lavender and pansy. Two purple flowers. Huh. Yeah. There's a lot of flower bitches in this. Petunia, Lily, Pansy, Lavender. But Filch doesn't stay in his lane. I think he's like, oh, I have children. It's time for me to torture them. Like, dude, just calm down. He's sad like, he doesn't Your to purpose them. is to take them to detention. Do your job. Then potentially, an unpopular opinion, I'm taking five away from McGuh for approving this detention because she could have probably thought this out a little bit better. And I'm only taking five away because, like, it's Mika. Like, we yeah. know that she's HBIC. HWIC? Head witch in charge? Head witch in yes. charge? She's HWIC. This is probably one of those times where she could have made a better decision. So so that's ten to Harry, ten to Forenzi, five to Hagrid, negative five Mika, and negative fifteen Filch. I like it. Thank you. So, that's the end of the episode. Join us again next time. Where we read chapter 16, What's It Called? the trap door. Oh, and that's the one I had to write the thing on. (laughs) I wrote it down in my notes. So, yeah, check us out, chapter 16. Yeah. See y'all. Bye. That was a weird way to say that. Okay. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery, edited by Adam Bowers, and published by Tara Corkery via Podbean, and is now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to our podcast, and we hope you enjoyed us. 
If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars and leave us a review on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then I'm sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more messages from our fans and want to hear your perspectives and answers to questions we ask in the podcast. Catch you later, snitches!